The story in Mark chapter 8 of Jesus healing a blind man includes some key people who, though easy to overlook, are essential to the story. Verse 22 mentions, quote unquote, some people who brought a man to Jesus and begged for his healing touch. The Bible is full of stories of people who bring others to Jesus and beg him on their behalf and then watch Jesus heal, restore, deliver, and forgive like only he can do. These stories in scripture and the stories we see play out all around us should lead us to ask ourselves this critical question. How can I bring people to Jesus? This is the Radical with David Platt podcast. Here is David with a message titled, The Healing Touch of Jesus, Part 2. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, feel free to use table of contents if you need to. And as you're turning there, I want to welcome those of you in Arlington and Montgomery County and Prince William and Loudoun, as well as others online. It's really good to be together around God's Word. I had just finished preaching last Sunday when I stepped back here on stage here at Tyson's and was praying before we took the Lord's Supper, and I thought, there was an important part of the story we just walked through of Jesus healing a blind man that I had left out, and leaving that part out left this text a bit incomplete when it comes to our seeing what's happening here. So we had just talked about the tender compassion and the healing power and the sovereign timing of Jesus and many of the ways Jesus brings healing in our lives and specifically in marriages. And praise God, by the way, for the number of couples who responded to the prompting of God's Spirit last week and who've gotten involved in re-engage as a result of hearing that last week. I even heard about a few single, brother, single brothers and sisters who said those testimonies were so meaningful, they made them want to be a part of re-engage, even though it's for married couples. Uh, but anyway, just compelling. But if we leave last week where it was, just thinking about the healing Jesus brings in our lives, I think we might run the risk, the danger, of giving in to a temptation to foster a pretty self-centered, self-centered, self-saturated Christianity. Meaning, we love to talk about what Jesus does in our lives, which we should, but we don't take the next step to think about what Jesus desires to do in others' lives and specifically what he desires to do in others' lives through us. So what I want to do is I want to read this passage all over again that we looked at last week. And I mentioned last week that uh, we'd, uh, the plan was this week we'd be moving on to the verses that follow and seeing how even the story we looked at last week deals with spiritual sight. So that's the plan now next week. But this week, I want to read this story again, and I want you to see if you can notice the critical part that some unnamed people play in this story in seeing 
Jesus bring healing in someone else's life. So follow along with me. If you don't have a Bible, I'll have it up on the screen, but Mark chapter eight, verse 22. It says, they came, talking about Jesus and his disciples, to Bethsaida, and some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. So did you see it with that kind of preface that I gave before reading it? Did you see how this whole story started? The disciples and Jesus, they came to Bethsaida and some people. Doesn't tell us anything about these people. Doesn't tell us their names, what they were like. We don't know who they are, but we just know some unnamed people brought to Jesus a blind man. So a man who couldn't see which means he couldn't make his way to Jesus on his own. He needed some people to bring him to Jesus. And that seems so simple. But this is such a significant theme. All throughout the stories of Jesus we read in the Bible. That if we're not careful, we might miss it. So I want you to take a little tour with me. Let's hold our place here in Mark chapter 8 and turn back with me to Matthew chapter 4. So I just want to take you on a little tour through uh, the first gospel, the first story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, the book of Matthew, and see how it leads into the book of Mark in our Bibles. And I want you to see this theme over and over and over again. So I'll have these verses up here on the screen, but if you have a Bible, you might underline, make some notes along the way, just so... You don't miss this theme. So just go on a quick tour with me. Start in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. We're just going to look anywhere we see unnamed people bringing people in need to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24 says, Jesus' fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Get the picture. All these people were healed of afflictions and diseases and pains and demon oppression and seizures and paralytics. They were healed. Why? Because they brought him. They brought to Jesus all these sick, afflicted people. Notice they weren't healed if they didn't, if somebody didn't bring them to Jesus. Keep going to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Right after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, we read, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast them out, cast out the spirits of the word, and healed all who were sick. Notice they were not healed if no one brought them to Jesus. Then you get to Matthew chapter 9, next chapter, verse 2. Behold, some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. 
We'll talk more about this story in a minute. Keep going to verse 32 in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 9, verse 32. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to Jesus. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. A man spoke for the first time in his life because someone or some group of people brought him to Jesus. And you jump down to Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. We see a similar story. A demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus. And Jesus healed him. So the man spoke and saw. Are you getting the picture here? One more in Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. When they crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and they... They, this people, brought to Jesus all who were sick and implored that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touch it were made well. So we talked last week about the compassionate, powerful touch of Jesus, and all these people are experiencing it in their sickness. Why? Because some people are bringing them to Jesus. So now, so we're working our way toward Mark chapter 8, go to Mark chapter 1. This gospel account, the story of Jesus' life that we've been walking through over almost the last year, we see this exact same picture from the start. Mark chapter 8, chapter 1, verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or oppressed by demons. The whole city was gathered at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Then the next chapter, remember when we studied this last fall, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, remember this scene when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them and they came bringing him to him, a paralytic carried by four men. They, it doesn't tell us their names, it says there are four of them, they brought to Jesus a paralytic. Remember, we imagine the scene. So this crowd gathered, listening to Jesus in a home, overflowing out the doors, and some friends go and get their their paralyzed friend on a mat. The only way he could get to Jesus is if somebody brought him to Jesus. But even when they get to the house, they couldn't get inside. And remember, we kind of imagine the conversation, like the first guy saying, well, if we can't get inside, let's go up on the roof. And the second guy being like, uh, a lot of good that'll do, genius. He's inside, not outside. And the first guy replies, all right, we'll just kind of put a hole in the roof. And the third guy's like, we can't put a hole in the roof, bro. And the fourth guy's like, why not? We want our friend to be healed. So they, they climb up on the roof. They, can you imagine? In a scene, like a scene like this, in whatever building you're in right now, like the, the roof opening up. Like the language is literally, they unroofed the roof. Look at, look at this. They couldn't get near because of the crowd. They removed the roof. That's one way to bring somebody to Jesus. Take off the roof. And when they had made an opening, like, never mind, whoever the owner of this house is, what they're thinking at this moment, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And then watch this. When Jesus saw what? Their faith. Who's, that's, that's plural. That's not talking about the guy on the mat. Like, maybe it includes him, but it's not just him. That's talking about these guys who are letting their friend down on the mat. Can you picture their faces, their sweaty faces, just 
did a roof job and are now letting their friend down and Jesus is looking up and he sees their faith as they are bringing their friend to Jesus and he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. We don't know anything about these four guys. We're applauding them right now because of their faith to bring people to Jesus. And when you bring people to Jesus, they experience forgiveness. And they experience healing. And they experience restoration. So now, now we come back to our text today, this simple verse, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. Do you you see how this works? One simple verse. You bring people to Jesus. You beg Jesus for people. And then you watch Jesus work in power. Ah, yes. Like, this is what we see all over the Bible. Write this down. Bring people to Jesus. Go to people where they are. Bring them from where they are to Jesus. Help them encounter Jesus. Help them hear from Jesus. Help them experience Jesus. They won't do, they won't experience Jesus, encounter Jesus, if you don't bring them to him. Bring people to Jesus, then beg Jesus for people. I love this picture of intercession, of faith. They're begging him. In this story, in that story I just mentioned, those guys with those sweaty foreheads lowering their friend down, just saying, please help our friend. Jesus loves for us to bring people to him and to ask him to bring healing to them, restoration to them, help for them. He loves that. So bring people to Jesus, beg Jesus for people, and watch Jesus work in power. Watch Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Think about it. What are the the things that only Jesus can do that you can't do, I can't do? Heal. Restore. Deliver. Forgive. All sins forever against God. Jesus can do these things. So do we want people around us to experience healing? Restoration? Deliverance? Forgiveness of all their sins against God? Forever? Do we we want people around us to be saved from eternity in hell? to experience everlasting life in heaven, starting right now on earth. Because Jesus can do that. He can make that happen. But it won't happen if, if people don't bring other people in need to Jesus. Like, you're starting to see why this story that we looked at last week would be incomplete if we just walked away saying, oh, I'm so thankful for Jesus' healing in my life. Like, yes, 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 a thousand times over, yes. But it's not just for you. And it's not just for me. Think about people in your family. Think about friends of yours. Think about the people around you in your office that you work with, that you interact with this week. That you live near, that you go to school with, 
Do any of them need healing and restoration and forgiveness that only Jesus can bring? And what if God has actually put you in that workplace? He's put you in that school. He's put you in that relationship. He's put you where you are to bring them to Jesus, beg Jesus for them, and watch Jesus work in power. Like This is what Christians do. This is why, church, we are working right now to resolve conflicts, conflict in our midst biblically. Why? So that we can put our focus together on being busy, bringing people to Jesus, begging Jesus for people, and watching Jesus work in power. There are five million people in Metro Washington, D.C. right now who don't know the tender compassion and the healing power of Jesus, and we want more than anything to bring them to him. There's three plus billion people in the world who've never even heard the name of Jesus or the truth about who he is and how he loves and how he heals and how he restores, and we want to spend our lives together making his name known among them. This is what it means to be the church. This is what a church does. And I should add, by God's grace, this is what you as a church family are doing. One of the war veterans in our church family said this week, don't forget that it's when you're actually being effective in the battle that the enemy will come after you. And when I see what God is doing in and through this church family, I am not surprised that the enemy, meaning the devil and all his demons, are coming after his church to divide, to discourage, to distract. Why? Because the devil and his demons want us to focus on anything but bringing people to Jesus, begging Jesus for people, and watching Jesus work in power. But you're doing it anyway. So here's what we're going to do. We, we talked about healing in our own lives last week. This week, I want to show you how Mark 8, 22 through 26 is playing out in others' lives through you. Women don't meet Jesus in his word if somebody's not bringing his word to them. Suffering brothers and sisters in West Africa don't get healing if somebody doesn't bring Jesus into the heart of that need for healing. Vulnerable children in Ethiopia don't know the father to the fatherless if someone doesn't bring them to the father to the fatherless. Uh, uh, an abused woman doesn't know the love and the gentleness of Jesus unless a retired Marine general goes and brings furniture to her. And students don't hear the good news from their peers unless a student starts a Bible study in that school. And refugees don't hear about the love of Jesus unless somebody steps in and amidst all the political phrases, says, we love you and we care for you and we want to point you to Jesus. This is what we do as a church. So would you give God glory with me for his grace and these brothers and sisters? And so, so just to give you a glimpse of who I wasn't able to interview today, I didn't interview the thousands of people we're working with in emergency relief in Ukraine right now who are hearing the gospel through our partnerships with churches and pastors there. The Iranian pastors were helping in Iran, in Farsi, to be able to spread the gospel among 100 million Farsi speakers in Iran and Tajikistan and Afghanistan the brothers and sisters in Nepal and India and the Middle East who were helping plant healthy biblical churches in Hindu and Buddhist and Muslim communities. 
A story this week of two Muslims in a very strictly closed country who just came to faith in Jesus and were baptized. Brothers and sisters in the UAE who are spreading the gospel on college campuses and college students who are reading the Bible, hearing the word of Jesus for the first time in their lives. Hundreds of pastors in Kazakhstan who were helping with biblical resources and theological training. And the stories coming from these pastors, one terminally ill Kazakh woman who came to faith in Jesus, had a month to live. She shared the gospel with all her friends and family for the first time. These people are hearing it through her mouth before she goes to be with the Lord. A Kazakh surgeon who came to faith in Christ. Now he's doing medical clinics, sharing the gospel in remote Kazakh villages, bringing the sick to Jesus. This same Kazakh surgeon, so make the connection, has now got involved in Ukraine relief as he's spreading the gospel there. I didn't interview all the NBC missionaries that we've sent out to countries like India and Cambodia and Senegal and Thailand and Malaysia and Germany and different countries in the Middle East who are living right now, bringing people to Jesus in those places. In addition to all the other local ministries we have going on through different Title I school communities and nursing homes and recovery centers and jails and on and on. So this is what I mean whenever you hear me say, we have such an opportunity as a church to move forward together, thriving, united, bringing hope to the nations starting right here in this city. So let's give ourselves to this church. Let's not be divided, distracted from this great privilege we have as the overflow of healing Jesus has brought in our lives to bring other people to Jesus, to beg Jesus on their behalf, and to watch Jesus work in power. And even as I say that, I realize some of you are here today because someone brought you here and invited you to be here because they care about you and they want you to know the tender compassion and healing power of Jesus, to know the greatest news in the world that all of us, though we have sinned against God, are separated from God in a fallen world and we deserve eternal judgment separated from God. God loves us. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to live a life of no sin. And then even though he had no sin to die, he died. He died on a cross to pay the price for the sins of anyone who would trust in him. But he is not dead. He lives. He is alive and right now through his spirit is speaking to your heart, inviting you to trust in him to do what only he can do, to heal you spiritually, to restore you to relationship with God, to forgive you of all your sins, and to draw you into an everlasting, eternally satisfying life in him. So I invite you to trust in him today, and for all who know him, let's live together as a church family to bring others to him. Let's live to beg Jesus for them. And let's live to see Jesus work in power. Will you bow your heads with me? All across this room, other locations, wherever you might be online. And just to ask, this moment, right where you are sitting, have you experienced the healing power of Jesus have you experienced forgiveness of all your sins through faith in him? 
You trusted him as the Lord of your life. And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, I invite you right now just to pray to him as he's speaking to your heart right now and say, God, I trust in your love for me today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose from the grave so that I could have eternal life. So today I trust in you to forgive me all my sin against you. Restore me to relationship with you. And you say that in your heart to God. He heals, he restores, he delivers, he saves you by faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in him and for all who have put your faith in him, can we just pray together right now? God, help us to bring other people to know Jesus God, please, in all of our lives and in our church family, help us not to be distracted from this glorious privilege you've given us. Even this week, God, how how can each of us in our lives and workplaces and neighborhoods, schools, Bring somebody to Jesus. Can you just think about that right now before the Lord? How can you, this way, what is one practical way you can bring somebody to Jesus? God, help us to do this. Help us to focus on this this week, not just experiencing your healing in our lives, but introducing others to you that they might experience your healing in their lives. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church family. We just pray together today. Do it more and more and more and more, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacey Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.